Hello everybody, it's me Ross and welcome back to another edition of the Kings of Anglia Fan Social. This week I'm joined by good old Dan who's making his return from injury. Good old John Watson and Dazza as we discuss all things town ahead of this Easter weekend fixtures. Um, I've eaten two Easter eggs already. I'm a big, big man in terms of eating Easter eggs. I love my Easter eggs. Um, I'm going to eat probably more over the weekend, I'm sure. Um, but enough of that. Let's bring in Dan, uh, making his return from his injury layoff. But it's great to have you back, my friend. How are you? Yeah, all good. All good, thanks, lads. It's been a very interesting season. Been been fun listening and watching you guys carry on and um, looking forward to tonight. Indeed, it's always a pleasure to have you back on the show, my friend. And the man making his return after a few weeks, maybe even a month out, um, just been chilling. He's been busy, man. He's good old John Watson. How are you, my friend? Yeah, not bad. Thanks, Russ. Thanks for having me back on. It's good to be on with Dan and Dazza two pies. Um, always <laughs> good. It's always good to be in fine company. And uh, so I feel very privileged to be here. Looking forward to having a chat. And I'm looking forward to being um, at the Rotherham game and the Wigan game, which is um, cool for me having two games in a row. That doesn't happen too often. So, yeah, that's all good. School Easter holidays, which is even better. Um, so, yeah, other than a bit of a cold, doing great. Thanks, mate. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on, my friend. I'm sure a lot of listeners are very happy to hear your doses tones. Um, and Dazza also, I'm sure, is pleased to be on the same podcast with John as well. Because I know you're very good pals, aka the two two pies uh, catchphrase, which is brought on. But how are you, Dazza? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. Very good. Very good. I, I mean, I'm not... Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you're right. John did christen me two pies after... I was just a very enthusiastic pie man. That's all I'd say, really. It's part as part of a of a day when you go to a game. But um, yeah, down to one pie at the moment. I'm just uh, watching the waistline, getting my summer body ready. You know, so um, yeah, just uh, leaving the carbs alone at the minute. But um, yes, delighted to be back on here and let's have a chat about Ipswich. Yes, indeed. Well, we're not going to muck about. Let's get right into it then. And um, on the weekends, it was another. Two points dropped and the season is over, really. Um, and it's time to talk about the sliding doors moments from both Dan, John and Dazza on where maybe it, where it sort of was your deciding moment where you thought this wasn't going to be a season we get out of League One. It will be fourth season in League One going in under Kira McKenna. Uh, Dan, when would you say was the sliding doors moment where you felt this season wasn't going to be as rosy as we were hoping it was going to be? Yeah, I think there's been a few moments this season where I've been a bit like, hmm, I think we might not go up. I think I think for me, the, the final nail in the coffin was at Oxford um, when, I, you know, unfortunately, after kind of dominating that game uh, so comfortably against a playoff rival and on the verge of get a great, great win, that injury time goal deep down was kind of the moment when I thought, that's it. It's too much now. I think, um, but it's, that's been a trend of our, us, isn't it, for a few seasons. I won't go into it too much, but we, we can't get the second goal. We always leave ourselves a bit exposed. But I think, obviously, I think the Bolton home defeat was a little bit of an eye-opener, um, a bit of a shock result when we they thumped us at Portman Road 5-2. I think that was the result. It's like, yeah, this isn't going to be... Uh, this isn't going to be exactly a cakewalk. And I think looking 
back fairly recently and it was it was the kind of you know the, the nil nils well the, the one one at Morecambe where it's just like was just such by far the better team we didn't win and then followed that up with you know the Pompey nil nil and that that kind of disallowed goal where for a fleeting second the crowd went mental the hopes went up to be denied by a linesman's flag and I think it was the nil nil against Cheltenham Again, where you know it was, it was those little moments, little moments which were interjected with fantastic moments this season. But we haven't been particularly consistent, and I and I just think, uh, I think for me, it, it, it was Oxford. So you know, I think the pressure's off in some ways on us this season. Now, in these last four games, um, we just have to get our heads around the fact that we are here for another season, and. Uh, I think that's what's going to make the end of the season actually quite interesting in a lot of ways. But, you know, I think to finish on this point, um, the trend, it's a positive trend under McKenna. You know, he hasn't been here too long and the time he's been here has more or less been really positive. So we just need to take that on and take it into next season. Indeed, and we've got a chance to ruin some parties. You know, we've got Rotherham on Saturday, then we've got Wigan on Tuesday night. We could you know, make a big statement trying to beat those two sides just to finish the season strong, as you said. Um, John, over to you then. You're always a positive man, but when was the moment where you realised it's going to be League One football once again for, for town under Kieran McKenna? I guess that final um, thought, what was it the final thought? The one where I spoke to you afterwards where I said, I think we've just watched our playoff hopes go was the one one at Morecambe. I think me and Dazza were standing together at that game. Um, um, with Lewis and uh, we enjoyed that game and we just battered them really we were the best we played pretty well lots of lots of good um, open play didn't quite have many as many chances as we won but didn't take the chances and it just felt like oh we should have won that game and you know you can't whilst it was still an away point and a good performance they're the ones that kind of you, you, I remember just going oh it's a it's fallen away However, then we got on a really good run after that and our hopes were kind of reignited, really. But I remember feeling <laughs> flat we weren't going to be good enough. And in the end, that's proven to be the case. But you can, you can look back and even, you know, I missed the first game of the season, but my first game of the season was at Burton away, um, which was, what, middle of August, 14th of August, something like that? It was a few and, games and I was there. Yeah. And... Uh, <sighs> Yeah, there's the famous gif of me, Darren, and, and Bainsey. Um, yeah, but when um, there was a missed penalty, you know, um, Fraser Scott Fraser, and then Eduardo came on and looked like a different class, didn't he? And hit the bar from a long range. And the fine margins in that game, in some ways, that could be the sliding doors moment because if we had scored that penalty, we would have got something from that game and we ended up then conceding and not you know we played pretty well that game um didn't Dobra and Barry start that game that's yeah that's how good it was so <laughs> you can look back and think that stands in my mind and as a, a lad from Sunderland Sunderland away just kind of typically sums up us again we played pretty well first half we were the better side again and we go with the stadium light year on year and often do that and uh so what was that last weekend of November, first weekend of December, whenever that was? It was and cold. Think, 
<laughs> yeah, very cool. <laughs> but then you think <clears throat> one of those games that you think if we were to win the league, if we were to go up automatically, we would have taken something from that game. Um, so three very different points in the season for me there. But I guess that I could mention the um, Bolton away. I could mention um, Accrington away because that was a depressing game um, back in um, October, was it? Um, and you, you can. there's five games I mentioned. So that shows the inconsistency because there's five games where I think we should have got things from that game or three points rather than one point or one point rather than zero points. And that kind of sums up the frustration of the season, I suppose. We do some things quite well and then not quite good enough. And that's why we're ninth, possibly going to push up to eighth or seventh, depending. But realistically, we, we all know that the playoff hopes have gone. So, um, yeah, that sliding doors moment of what could have been. It's it's like looking through the glass doors, isn't it? Because you can see, like, you can see we're, we're nearly there, but not quite clinical enough. Indeed, and, and Daza has been the fine margins and just killing those games off the last few weeks, yeah. few months has just been like we've been controlling games, dominating games, but just not killing the games off. Um, would you say that's one of the slime doors moments and bring your own take on it as well? Yeah, I mean, Dan and John have covered the, the first 44 games we played this season. So there's not many games left for me to mention, but um, <laughs> yeah, for me, probably the biggest moment was, was what John mentioned. I've, I, I've made a few notes, but I think Sunderland away, that was a game we should have won, drawn at the very least. And that was off the back of, that was a couple of games after us thrashing Wickham. And I think we drew the next game and then going to Sunderland, who I think was second at the time. If we'd have won that game, then I think that fills the players with confidence. We're on a good run. You know, all of that uh, forward momentum and all those uh, words we use in football, um, but uh, yeah, if we'd have got if we'd have won that game, uh, I think the season would have been very different from that point onwards. But losing that game in that manner, we then followed that up with a load of losses and draws, and then Cook gets sacked. So um, yeah, and, I th- and Cheltenham and Walk in those draws, they we were on a obviously McKenna comes in, fantastic response from the players ever since he came in. And then we get to that point where we just we can see the playoff spots now. We just let's go and get some wins from two teams who were bottom of the league, and we draw both of them. Um, you know, if you look at the table now and think, okay, whack another four points on those. Um, you know, with them, we're almost there, but not not now, not at this stage of the season. So, yeah, Sunderland away, big big turning point for me now that I look back on the whole season. So, um, yes. And um, we've not been scoring enough goals, of course. We've not had that. Our strikers have not been scoring goals. Um, we've been creating chances, but just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you, after the start that Bon had made, if you'd now said at the end of the season, he's not going to score in the next, wherever it is now, 24, 25 games, you, we wouldn't have believed it. Uh, well, one of my friends is a Charlton fan, and he, he told me, he predicted this. He said, don't you, you wait, he'll... He'll frustrate you and he'll need 10 chances to score. So, um, yeah, obviously he was proved very wrong at the start of the season because Bomb was on fire and just absolutely fantastic. But, um, uh, yeah, it's not quite worked for him the last second of the season. So, mm. more goals needed. Yeah, indeed. And, Dan, I want to quickly just bring up that um, 
we haven't really gone on to win three games in a row. I'm just looking back at some of the results. We've we've seen back-to-back wins. Um, we've seen, you know, that unbelievable run with Kieran McKenna. But I feel like we've not had that that run of like dominating games and being three wins in a row, four wins in a row. It's it's been one of those where if we had that run, we may have got that chance in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, we just haven't been good enough. We haven't been clinical enough, really. It's a shame. We've got some fantastic individuals. And every week you hear opposition managers talk about how good our squad is and our budget and who we brought in. Obviously, there's a bit of kidology going on there, you know, deflecting away from their own performances. But as a team, we probably just haven't been been clinical enough. Um, Cook, it was just a bit, it was a bit streaky, wasn't it? You know, even when we got on, it was a bit of a roller coaster. It's not really a roller coaster with McKenna. I feel like there's just more of a, a kind of gradual upward trajectory with the odd deviance until he gets you know more time under his belt so but you know it's not like uh, I'm not one of these fans that is you know I, I think ninth is a pretty fair reflection of us I don't think we've been particularly unlucky I don't think we can you know it's just we haven't been good enough um and we'll come on to speak to it later but you know, you hear about teams going on the beach at this stage of the season. Um, but I think with a new newish manager, I don't think there's much danger of that with us. I think after what he said after Shrewsbury with these players, we have a massive opportunity to send out a really, really big message at Easter, if you know, potentially. So we just got we got to be positive and we got to attack it and, and maybe, you know, be Brilliant if we can get three three wins to kick off the start of next season. Indeed, I, I'm I'm sorry to bring up this horrible start. I was going to wait until the um the end of the season, well, when we get to the look ahead to Rotherham Wigan. But I'm looking at this horrible stat on TV. Of course, we're on Sky this weekend. We've won three of the last 34 games on TV. It's a horrible stat, and uh, hopefully uh, we won't be too afraid of that when we do play Rotherham on Sky this Saturday. But um, we'll get into, of course, looking ahead to those two games. Um. In due course, but let's talk about the next feature on the podcast. And um, he's actually going to do the strike. Actually, I've decided we're going to do a strike just to mix up a little bit because why not? Let's bring it in. Uh, we have got other features we'll bring you, but I thought why not? Let's bring the strike in early doors. Um, it is going to be Dan, John, and Dazza going face to face to win the strike crown. And funny enough, Dan and John have hit history because they faced off in the strike invitational final. Um, so that was. Oh. Uh, in the summer, so wow, Daza, you got. Do I get? Do I get like a, like engulfed? Can I have a handicap? Can I get like a two point start? Then, yeah. Thanks, Dan Ross. and John. Two, yeah, two points. Two points. <laughs> two points. Two points. Okay, um, well, let's get right into it then. Um, so this will be mixture of Rotherham, Wigan, and also birthday questions because um a few people made had had their birthday or are having their birthday soon. So the first question is a Rotherham question, and um, it's on Daryl Murphy. He scored a hatcher against Rotherham in the 5-2 win in 2015. Now, who set up two of Daryl Murphy's goals against Rotherham in that game? Was it Tommy Smith, Luke Chambers, or Jonas Knudsen? Does, hopefully this question makes sense. So he scored a hat-trick, but who set up two of the goals of his hat-trick? Does that make sense? Sort of? Yeah. So who was it? Was it? And as you can see, there's all defenders. When I was doing the research for this, and when I saw, well, the obvious defenders... one's Knudsen. Mm-hmm. 
Remember, but Luke Chambers played at right back, of course. Yeah, then. yeah, so. he did, and he's a very good crosser of the ball. Mm. Yeah, was it Tommy Smith, Luke Chambers for Jonas Nusson? Of course, play at home. Uh, let us know how you get on. Okay, everyone ready? Yep. Take it away. Chambers. Nudson. 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 Chambers. Now, you're all wrong. Because it's actually no. Tommy Smith. Tommy, Tommy Smith. Jesus. Tommy Smith. Luke Chambers got the other assist for the, you know, for his hat trick. But yeah, it was Tommy Smith who got two assists that game. Um, so there we go. I, okay. I have that game, Ross. I, so I should have known that. I also had a few quid on the Daryl Murphy hat trick. So when he no. scored, the, I was jumping up and down. I think I, I had maybe like three quid or two quid on the Daryl Murphy hat trick. And uh, I, I got 125 quid or 130 quid. I remember as that goal went in, I was jumping up and down, going mental. And everybody was like, calm down, calm down. I was like, oh, I'm just rolling up. Yeah. I've got, I've got a slightly different story to that. That's the, for all you young listeners out there, that is the perils of starting drinking on a Saturday at eight o'clock in the morning at King's Cross Station. Because I got all the way to Rotherham, a few of us, and uh, we'd all had a bit too much. <laughs> And the game had kicked off. And I didn't know the final score until the train home back to London. Where for some reason, I bumped into Jonathan Douglas in first class. Yeah. And he and I, and I he wasn't. And uh, I missed that. And people still got about what a brilliant result that was. He scored in that game as well, Jonathan Douglas. Did he? he scored he scored a pitch of a goal in that game. He scored a really good goal. Um, collectible that yeah 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 yeah, you didn't score many goals Jonathan Douglas um the next question isn't on Jonathan Douglas but it is a question on a player that what could have been he had a few moments um he celebrates his birthday which we don't actually know his real age because of obvious reason it is for needy George now he had an amazing debut against Derby in 2001 but who set up his first town goal in that game was it Jamie Clapham Matt Holland or Marcus Stewart but yeah, he scored twice in this game. Great Portman Road debut. Well, probably one of the best Portman Road debuts you'll ever see. Of course, Grant oh, Ward's no, Portman no. Road debut was good because he scored a hat trick. <laughs> um, but yeah, Need George. Isn't he about 106 years old? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Did you, would you, would you get your quick thoughts on you guys? You know, did you like Need George as a player? What, what how, how would no. you explain? No. No, he, he, for me, was one of the reasons we got relegated um, because the, we built this whole squad on uh, these hung, young, hungry players that, and then superstar Finidi George comes on, probably on more money than everybody else. He could probably manage 30 minutes uh, and then he was knackered and um, he didn't pass. So, um, yeah, him and Andy Marshall, I mean, Andy Marshall is the reason we got relegated. So, um, but Finidi George is a very close second. In my very yeah. unbiased, you know, opinion. And you got to throw Matteo Sereni into that as well. With yeah. him, you know, because it's his fault that he asked to be dropped in the FA Cup match. Yeah. Um, for me, we went away from our principles. Like you had players yeah. like Jermaine Wright, who just yeah. was earned his right to be in the team. And then we had players, players like Finidi George arrive, who didn't have the same and guts and desire to play yeah. for mm-hmm. um, and, it, and yeah. it's interesting to listen to George Burley because Burley talks about Benigni George wasn't a problem and he doesn't see him as being an issue but for lots of us fans I think 
it, it changed that really tight dynamic of the team. Mm, I agree. I agree. Yeah. What's your answer then, Ross? Uh, well, what, what's your option? What, what did you say? So, Jimmy Clapham, Matt Holland, and Marcus Stewart. Matt Holland. Matt Holland. Holland. Clapham. Clapham. No, it's from the right well, wing, so it wasn't Clapham. No. Um, it was Matt Holland. It was Matt Holland. So, 1-1-0. One, one, but, Dan, it's fine. You've still got a few questions to get back into it. And the next question is on good old Matt Holland. Of course, he had his birthday on Monday. Um, he made his debut in a goalless draw. But who was it against in 1997? Was it Sheffield United, QPR, or Birmingham City? And I haven't done a comma in Birmingham City and QPR. Let me just change that quickly. Don't like to see that. Let me just quickly change that. Not a comma there. Just uh, there we go. Bring it. Just bring up there. People watching on video, I always want to make sure it looks good. Presents what well. But yeah, nil-nil draw on his debut. Um, there we go. Still my all-time favourite Ipswich player. Yeah, I think. Um, I think Sam Morsey is showing the traits of a you know a good captain and a player who can go forward and stuff because Matt Holland was that one. He just doesn't yeah. have his cheekbones though, does he, Ross? No, no, he no, doesn't. No, yeah, he's still Morsey, looks. has got a few more bookings under his belt than Matt Holland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, say. yeah. Matt Holland's you know that that record of consecutive games is just unreal. Unfortunately, yeah. Sam Morsey does get suspended and um, yeah, yeah, of course got <laughs> sent off for um, well a reason that. Well, was disappointing, but yeah. Um, who who was it against then on his debut? Birmingham, Birmingham. Sheffield United. United, Birmingham. You're all wrong, it's QPR. <laughs> it's not going well this week, <laughs> definitely not. Um, so it's one one. It's like a performance, we've created all the chances, Ross. And then yeah. we're not taking any of them, are we? Not not taken. Taken. Yeah, not taken. Not taken. We are rich okay. this season. Pretty much. All right, and question four, and it is on Will Keane. Um, Dazza jokingly said, is there going to be a question on Will Keane? Because he knows how the strike sort of comes together. And if you did your research, you may have got this right. Um, but yeah, how many goals did Will Keane score in 41 oh. games in the town? And this is the final question before we get into our tiebreaker. Oh. So, Dan, if you get it bang on, Dan, you get two points. Um, and actually, if any of you get it bang on, you get two points. Then we'll, just, we'll go to the tiebreaker to gamble it anyway, because we're all going to gamble, aren't we? Don't, you know, don't mind losing out if you gamble. Was he Lambert signing? Or was he Mac I can't remember. Oh, let me look quickly. I know, I don't know if he signed in the summer or not. I think, yeah, I'm trying to think. He must have been a Lambert signing like January or something. I'm going to quickly double check just for the listeners, because he came on loan 2019, yet yeah, came on loan in January 2019. Genuine. Made his debut as a second half sub against yeah. Accrington Stanley yeah. in the FA Cup. Yeah. How many goals Ooh. did he score? Right. I've stuck with it. I don't think it's right. But... Mm. I want to I bring out these. Many. Okay. Okay. You ready, John? I think I'm being too generous. I'm going for uh, seven. Seven. 14. 10. Uh, 10. Oh. Dan, you're so close, my friend. It's nine. It's nine mm. goals. Oh. Well, you, get a point. Point. you still get a point, though. So it is going to be the tiebreaker is needed. This is exciting. <laughs> this is actually exciting. Here we go. High quality punditry here. Oh, here we go. Hope everyone at home are just on the edge of their seats. And the final question is on this man who um, celebrates his birthday this week. And it is Tony Dinning. 
I think that's how you say it. It's a dinning, dining, dining. Yep. Yeah, yeah. How many games did he play for town during his loan spell from Wigan? He was on loan from Wigan in 2004, I think it was, or 2003. Don't all. Yeah, I don't think he's a midfielder or a defender or centre mid, centre mid. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, 2004, 2003 04 season, he came on loan. So Joe Royal signed him on loan. All right, okay, from Wigan. Um, so it links up with a Wigan sort of connection as well because we're playing Wigan, of course, on Easter Monday. That's not Easter Monday game because it's Tuesday night. Still Sky. I have no idea, so I'm just guessing. Okay. So um, whoever gets closest does win, but if you get a bang on, then you win because you got it banged on. Here we go. Who's going to win it? Is it going to be Dazza? Is it going to be John? Is it going to be Dan? I'm gonna, we're going to do it all. We're going to do it all separately. So let's start with Dan first. I have no idea, but I've gone for... You see that? Six. Six, okay. John? Oh. I had six, but I crossed out and rolled seven. <laughs> oh. Where did you where did you where did you cross it out? After before Dan showed this. <laughs> okay. What, what well, I I know? Know. So I just went my lucky number twenty-two. Oh yeah, it's not that I many. Don't know what it is. It's not that many. It is nine. Nine games. Oh, John, nine thanks. games in all competitions. And John Watson has won. He won the strike invitational and he wins this week's strike. Um, speech, John. How, how's it to win the strike once again, beating good competitors in Dan and Dazza? Well, I'm in esteemed um, company, but I think I've had a fluky, uh, a fluky off the shin winner there because that was a tall guess. I, I hardly remember Tony Dilling. I mean, I think I probably remember David Fisher probably going on about Tony Dilling or Graham Harvey in one of his runs or something like that. But to be honest, I can't remember. I can't even remember what the guy looks like. No disrespect to him. Did he play for Wolves? I can't remember. Maybe Wolves or Birmingham. Or... Yeah. He yeah he played at Wolves briefly. Um, then he when he left us, he went to Bristol City, Port Vale, Stockport. Um, yeah. He also had a little loan spell. He's at Newcastle, and he had a loan spell in Sweden. Nice little little fact there for you. There we go. Remember also... of, uh, a, like a slower version of Danny Sonner. Yeah. Oh, which which takes some doing. Mm. He was a funny player, Danny Stoner, because he had something about him, but just wasn't quite good enough. Yeah, Volker. Yeah. <laughs> lots of, lots of, so many tales of Danny Sonner, but fair, fair play to him. Yeah. Was he, was, uh, was he ahead? Okay. Oh, I'm learning lots today. Yeah. Stories of uh, George Burley finding him in a suit uh, on the town square, a like half cut and all, all kinds of things. He liked to booze, but. He was a, a, a from everything I've heard about him. He sounds it'd be amazing to have be like a character to interview him. Yeah, I think he's um I think he's a model now or an actor. I think I know he was on Instagram briefly, and I, I saw there was like some modeling shots and stuff. So uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, watch his space. Hopefully, we can maybe speak to Danny one day. And, yeah. He also was a cap for Northern Ireland, weren't he, and stuff like that as well. Yeah. So he's played at the, the highest level, really. He was a modern day footballer before his time. Do you know what I mean? He was like yeah. Instagram before Instagram was even an idea. Yeah, pretty much. And as you said, John, as well, like, I think that's what we're hoping. As you said, you, a fluky win. I think you just you won because you just happy days. But I think that's what we're lacking as well. I think we're just lacking that bit of luck. Someone hitting off their, their shin or their, their arse, basically. Just get the ball in that net. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't we have loved Macaulay Bond to just have a couple that have gone off his shin or his arse or his kneecap or whatever? Because that could have given him the confidence to maybe get a few the way he was at the beginning of the season. Because you compare the play that we saw, like Darren said earlier on, like that first 10, 15 games, he was like, he, he was just doing so well, wasn't he? You know, so um, it's like sometimes you just need that little bit of luck. You can have all the endeavour and all the kind of uh, skill in the world, but sometimes you just need the rubble of green. And our strikers haven't had that. I think the team generally have got what we deserved, but we just haven't got the goals that maybe our play warranted. Yeah, indeed. Um, well, let's segue into talking about a man who will be leaving the football club at the end of the season, and that is Leo Neal. Um, of course, he's got a mouthful of a, a title, Itchery's Town's General Manager of Football Operations, and of course, had so many different roles when Marcus Evans was here. Um, as been announced, he will be leaving the club. Um, of course, has been at the club for many, many years. Um, I don't think it was a massive shock. I think since Mark Ashton's come in, I think he's been wanting to bring his own people in. We, you know, we've seen Andy Rolls, uh, Garrett Probert, as many like Luke Warren, there's loads of other names I can mention. Um, Dan, what was your feelings when you saw this news? And I think it wasn't probably a shock because yeah. a lot of the Marcus Evans team have, have gone because we've got new ownership and Mark Ashton's here wanting his own people. Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't surprised. I think um, he had an incredibly difficult job. You know, if you think about jobs that you've been in with no leadership from the level above you, no direction from the level above you, and you're put in those situations where you have to front up people's errors, I think that, for me, described Leo Neal. He would be a very, very interesting person to interview at some stage because I'm sure he's got a lot of tales that he could probably talk about now he's not employed by Ipswich. And I saw him... I sat at the FA Cup game at home to Oldham and, and I, you know, the, got the three seats around the ground and I sat next to the director's box and I, I saw him that day and he just looked, I felt sorry for him. He looked depressed and a bit forlorn and a bit, you could tell he was on the periphery. You know, you had the Ashton and um, Rolls and um, Probert all together and he was a few rows back sitting on his own. He just looked a bit forlorn, a bit isolated. Um and I think he was the change was on the wall, and I and I and I, I mean you know it was it was a it was a farce, wasn't it, when he had to do that interview to the fans um, saying it's business as normal, um, you know. So I think um, I think he 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 did a must have done it. He, he must have worked at a time. You know, you talk about people who who worked at the club under Evans. Just the odd thing where they said it wasn't a particularly nice place to go to work, you know. And everything was budget cutting and everything was stress and everything was pressure. And I think he was unfortunately the front man for a lot of that. And um, he sounds like, I don't know him or anything, but he sounds like he was a really good guy. So good luck to him. I hope he, he gets a decent job somewhere. And he sounds sounds to me like he's kind of his real forte and his strength is maybe an academy level. Um, so, um Yeah. I think, you know, I, I feel sorry for the bloke. I'd love to hear some of his stories, I wonder. Indeed. And Johnny, he's worked under a time where it has been difficult, you know, definitely under COVID um, and just seeing Itchers Town playing tier three football. You know, you, we never thought that would ever happen. You know, we played that back in the 50s and we've been used to the championship, Premier League days. Um, but I think he's got to get props for some of the work he has done in the academy. Unfortunately, 
he was given so many different jobs. And I know a lot of town fans, when that announcement happened, I think there was a lot of people giving him slack because of what he came out and said about the ownership and stuff. But I think he doesn't get the the appreciation of what he probably had to go through. Yeah, I think you're right, Ross. I think from what I know of him, and I, I, I can't profess I've ever, like, you know, I don't know the guy, but he's always tried to go about things in a professional manner. I think he's probably, you know, you look back and think, he was probably doing the role of three or four people, like certainly under the new regime. Lambert complained about the lack of infrastructure behind the scenes. And you look how many people, O'Leary, Ashton, Wahern, um, Rolls, uh, Probert, there's five off the top of my head. And I think probably, you know, Leo Neal was doing three and a half of those five jobs. And I'm not being silly. If anybody does more than one job, you can't, you either got to be so much better than the person who was doing it beforehand, or you're only doing 50% of the job, you know. Um, and I, I've got no doubt he tried his hardest. And he, um, from what I've heard, he seems like a reasonable, uh, good, a good guy. Um, um, and I know people speak highly about the fact he was always, you know, interested in the academy, always, you know, that was his, his background, wasn't it? Um, I didn't realise until I read today that his dad was uh, a former town um, player as well. Um, so he's been associated to the club for a long, long time. Um, just doing a, 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 his best in a difficult time, I think. So, um, you know, let, let's just wish him well and move on, really. Um, I, I also know he, he did, he, he's been very supportive, and I'm sure you'll back us up me up on that Ross that about of the the women's game as well yeah. both the youth and the men's but also um and the academy but also the women's game so you know he's a guy who wants the best for the future of the club I think so yeah let's give him a pat on the back a shake of the hand and say good luck mate yeah he went he went all the way up to Newcastle for the FA Cup game when the Town women's team played them and, and of course one he also went to the the Plymouth game and He's he travelled the country supporting a lot of the academy players as well. I remember him, you know, saying he went to all the way to to see Tyrese at Swindon. Then he went to the Plymouth game for the men on the Saturday, and then of course stayed and, of course, watched the women game on the Sunday at Plymouth as well. So he's he's done all that. Uh, Dazzle, your thoughts on Leo Neal? And you know, he's a, he's a local lad as well. I think him, I'm sure he's been proud to be working at the football club. And unfortunately, he has been got a bit of slack from town fans because you don't always know the big picture or the the, the whole picture of what's going on at the football club. No, I mean, not really too much to add from what John and Dan said. You know, it's, um, uh, yeah, under the 13 years of Marcus Sess's ownership, obviously Leo Neal was the guy in the club who was trying to bring things together. But someone who's been at the club a long time and let's just wish him well. And yeah, I'm sure he'll pop up in a, in a good job somewhere else. So good luck to him. Indeed. And, um, well, we'll segue into our next feature. And it has been um, the transfer rumours are starting and um, the first man that has been linked away from the football club um, is Daz's main man. Um, but now Christian Walton, of course, is pretty much first choice, first choice. But Vlaklai Kalanki, uh, I would not be disappointed if he does go because I wouldn't have to say his name again. But uh, I do like him. Yeah. I think he's a decent goalkeeper. But Dan, um, he's been linked to a move possibly to Aberdeen. He's, of course, had a spell in Scotland with St Mirren previously. Um, we're going to have a little debate about second choice goalkeepers and maybe the decision would you let him go and maybe what's your thoughts on just second choice goalkeepers as a whole in league one must be a mad job to be a second choice goalkeeper because 
it depends what kind of person you are because it's you know you get people in jobs where they're quite happy to bob along not being in the spotlight and picking up a decent wage you don't get the pressure every week having to perform and it's kind of almost like you just keep ticking along and ticking along and some people are okay with that and some people aren't uh, it must be a very strange job and and clearly when we signed him he came from a step up with a good reputation we were all excited about him and he when i look back at Cladkey, you know he was he was probably the focal point for a lot of fans ire in that start of the season it seemed to me that unfortunately every little mistake he made was kind of fundamentally destructive to our results now i know that's a life of a goalkeeper but actually when you look back at it in context look at the defensive formation of the team that we had when Hladke was playing look at the lack of fitness look at the way we were dropping deep after 75 minutes look at the amount of pressure that we were inviting on ourselves funnily i mean funnily enough with with Hladke, his last game for us was a win and a clean sheet against Wickham when we when Walton got COVID and he came in. And if you remember that, and it was, we won, I think, 1-0 and he kept a clean sheet and with about two minutes to go, a Wickham lad blazed it over from five yards. That's the life of a goalkeeper in a lot of ways. He got, the luck was on his side for that game. He didn't have a lot of luck. And when I look, when I look at it and I look at, when I look at what McKenna's done with the team and the defensive organisation, like my nan's 99 and I reckon she could be a decent goalkeeper in this McKenna team because, <laughs> you know, like we are so set up to restrict chances. We are so solid and fit. Walton is clearly an upgrade on Hladgy, clearly an upgrade. And every everyone knows that. But I feel a bit sorry for Hladgy. So when I, when I kind of look at it, I just think, I also think it, there sometimes comes a period where we're in, we, Ipswich Town is a business. We have to protect our assets. I don't think we should just let him walk away unless he really wants, unless he, to my earlier point, unless he's one of those characters where he wants to be playing every week, unless he's, and you know, unless he's massively unsettled, it's a hard job to get a good second choice goalie. I think he's a decent enough second choice i don't think we have anyone at a youth level that's ready to step up into the second choice so even if he even if he did go we'd have to bring someone else in and personally i would like to see us protect our assets a little bit more and i don't particularly want us to, for them to walk away and i i i don't think Cladke is the worst goalkeeper in the world and you know, I'd like to see him stay and really push Walton in training. And if, you know, when Walton, if he gets an injury or suspension, so be it. So um, it's a tough one. But I think, you know, you know, when you look back at it, as I said, it, the way McKenna sets teams up, you know, it's, it's, it's he, he had to do a lot, Cladkey. He didn't do it brilliantly. I'm not defending him, but I think we need to put it into a bit of reflection. And I personally... I'd like to hold on to him. I'd like, I'd like to see us fight for a little bit and hold on to him and say, look, you're part of a promotion charge next season. Your family's settled. You've only been here nine months. 
say, you know, you got a contract, keep keep with us. I mean, people know better about the goalie position than me, but I don't think he's a worse second choice. No. And um, I hope you're okay with this, um, John. I'm just going to skip over to Dazza first. He's, he's the man who loves his goalies. I know he's a he's his boy, uh, Vlad Kavalanki. Oh, again, I'm butchering that completely. We've got, we've got another keeper, have we? <laughs> yeah. Another guy. Another guy. Um, but what's your, what's your thoughts on in, on this and um, your thoughts on second-choice goalkeepers? Of course, it's now become a, a thing about third-choice goalkeepers. You know, in the Premier League, there's a lot of like veteran English goalkeepers who are like 36, 37, sitting benches or even just warming up and they're not even on the bench. But what's your take on Everton? They, play t- they have two goalies on the bench I've been seeing recently. Oh, wow. Um yeah, well, it's um, like you say, this is the start of silly season now. And we started to hear rumours. Um, he seems quite a quiet lad. So I can't imagine he's bitching and moaning and wants to play, which might be a bad thing, actually, as a goalkeeper. You you certainly have to have the confidence, a bit of arrogance, and uh, that you are the best and no one can score past you. That's a, a kind of an important ingredient mentally for a goalkeeper. Um so, but yeah, the start of the season, I, I disagree with you slightly, Dan. I, I don't, he didn't make many mistakes. What unfortunately didn't happen was he didn't make any uh, game changing saves. He did when, you know, like we've seen with Walton and we saw with uh, Bart before him, there'll be a, a chance in the 90th minute and the keeper will pull off an amazing save to stop them from scoring. And Hlackley just didn't make any saves, <laughs> you know. So um, I don't think it was that he made loads of mistakes. I just, he he was never brilliant. And um, that was disappointing because I was so excited. I'd seen, I'd never seen him play, but I'd seen the, um, uh, what's it called? Class of 92, uh, the Salford thing. I'd watched all that documentary and he looked amazing. You know, he'd won the, he helped him win trophies and helped him win promotions. And he looked a fantastic goalkeeper. So I couldn't believe it when we signed him. I thought, that's it. He'll be as good as Bart. But um, maybe he just needs a season to settle down. Um, he'd be a great second choice um, keeper. He say, I don't know him as a person, but he seems a quiet lad from what I've seen of him. So I don't think he's going to cause many dramas in the changing room. So, uh, But then it just depends on what he wants to do. Does he want to play? He's used to playing. You know, Harvey's been tweeting everyone about, is he going to go? We need a second choice goalkeeper. Um uh, so yeah, I hope he stays. I hope he stays. But yeah, Walton is clearly our number one. His injury record seems pretty solid. So I don't think whoever is reserve keeper is going to play that many games behind Walton. In terms of second choice goalkeeper, I'd be quite happy if he, if for some reason we sell him and he goes. I'd I'd be very open to just getting a, a an older keeper in, like what South you know when Kelvin Davis was the backup for Southampton. Someone who's a quality keeper, uh, already got one eye on coaching badges and all that. He's got to, you know, have a good attitude in training, support the, the first choice keeper. And if it, if he ever has to play, he's a quality keeper. So um, I don't know who's about, who's coming to, whose contracts are ending. But uh, yeah, if Halaki does go for whatever reason, then um, someone like that would be would be great. That could be a, a future video feature we could look into, uh, doing some research on goalies yeah. we could bring in who've got experience. So, watch out for that. Yeah, yeah make a list. 
Stay tuned. Um, John, I'll let you get your say on this, but also want to sort of segue into our next feature for the podcast. And Daz, you mentioned Harvey, and this is um, sort of been inspiration for this feature. And he mentioned it on Twitter, it sort of started a nice little debate, which was basically which town player would you controversially let go in the summer? And of course, you have to have a really good, reasonable reason behind it as well. But John, your quick say on um, what the boys have just said, but also which player would you controversially let go or you just feel maybe it's best for him just to move on? Yeah, I mean, for me with Haggy, um, I think Walton's such so far ahead as being our number one. Like Dan and Daz both say, it does depend on how much somebody wants him and how much he wants to go. If he's If we're happy and he's settled, then there's no reason for him to go. I think somebody has to come in and try to tempt him. Um, I think the perfect setup is, for is to have your your number one, which is our Walton, and then you have an experienced um, keeper, you know, like Richard Wright was for Man City, sitting on the bench as a third choice or whatever. But and then you have a good youngster coming through, and you have like they can all push each other, and the hopefully the mature one can bring the youngster on whilst kind of providing being a good backup. So. Um, I'm not really that first. I think holdy has gone, isn't he, really? You know, so I wouldn't be surprised if McKenna brings a, a young player um, to, to kind of try to give a, a year training with the first team. But we'll see. Um, I, I read, The jury's out. I was excited when we signed him. I, like Darren, I thought he, he seemed to be a really uh, a high quality. Um, so a bit sad he, it didn't quite go for him. But we've had quite a few players who hasn't quite gone for this season. And that's my little segue to the next bit. You know, we've had a few players who, you know, have come in. And I thought long and hard about uh, who we should say could be the player to show the door to. And in the thread that Harvey Sweet Welsh Prince has started, there's some interesting ones in there. And there's some that are kind of, a little bit obvious. Some people said, I'll oh, let Matt Penny go and bring in somebody better at left wing back. Uh, or, you know, there's some interesting ones. People saying, for the right price, let Edrinson go. Well, for me, I you want to build your team around the core of, that we have. And that's Walton and goal, Morsi and centre mid. And then your three centre halves have been probably about our best with Burns up there as our best three players. You know, Denassian's had a season out of his skin. Wolfenden's come back under McKenna and been a touch of class. And Edmondson, for the first half of the season, was our best player, most solid player. I don't want any of them to go anywhere. So then I, my logic, and it's only my logic, is if we've got a good keeper, we've got some good centre-halves, and we've got Morsi in the centre of the park, who I absolutely love, for me, we need a stronger centre-forward. So... Whether it's controversial or not, I'm not quite sure, but some people love him, some people don't. Um, I say get rid of James Norwood. Um, now, lots of people will say um, Norwood's still the best striker at our club. However, I think if we want to really compete at this level next year and do a better job than we have this year, we need to have a better striker than we have currently got at our club to take those chances to be clinical and to be the main man. So my logic is, if we were getting rid of Norwood, we're bringing in somebody better. So therefore, I would I would let James Norwood go. Um, 
I'm not against James Norwood as a person. I'm not against James Norwood as an Ipswich Town player. When he plays for us, I'll always get behind him. I just find him frustrating. And uh, I think he's got something, those dark hearts, a little bit of something about him. But despite looking after himself and looking really physically good in the summer, he hasn't made the shirt his own this season. He, he had that purple patch and was it November or December? And he's, well, what was it, even January? I can't remember. It, but it's, you know, he hasn't scored many, has he? And then, I know he sometimes had to play on the left, sometimes had to play deeper. Or I just think it's time for James Norwood to probably go back to Tranmere or to do go somewhere else. Don't wish him any harm at all. Don't wish him any bad. I want him to have a real successful couple of years at his next club. But I personally want a really top, top striker. So um, it's Norwood for me. And I guess then the next question is, do you keep Bonn as well? But I'll leave that for another debate. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be bringing loads of different video features and different content on the out-contract players and all that sort of stuff, loan players, but we'll get onto that soon. Um, Dan, is it okay to go over to you? I know you're you're deep in thought there, um, but what's your thoughts? Which town player would you controversially let go and good reason behind it? Um, it's a really interesting question. If I'm, The word controversial for me means something that someone that would split opinion i'm going to say something controversial i'd, I'd let mccauley bond leave today go back to qpr um done really well for us but if i want to be controversial i'd rather use the players on our books coming through rather than mccauley bond for the last four games of the season that might be a bit not very sentimental and a bit harsh but controversial anyway that if i was to that's an abrupt decision for now just on the basis i wouldn't mind seeing some of the you know giving piggott or tyree simpson a go um controversially in the summer i mean i i looked at this and i just think he's a player who started off a bit slowly for us but he's become turned into a bit of a crowd favorite he hasn't started 90 minutes he hasn't completed 90 minutes under mckenna He's 33. He's one of the highest wage earners. We've got three or four players that can play in his position. It'd be Sonia Lupo. I, I would, I, no, expand. don't know if you heard. <laughs> expand. I was waiting for you to expand. Oh, right. I, the, the Wi Fi cut out. But I was, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, um, for me, um, He's, on occasions, he's been fantastic for us and he, he can display a different level of class. But 33, he's on a good wage. Um, I think, you know, we've got four players potentially that could play in a Luko's position. We could have Cameron Humphreys coming through, you know. Um, I, I would personally think that I think it's time to say goodbye to Sonny Luko. I think his contract runs out in the summer anyway, doesn't it? So... Yeah, okay. So I wouldn't extend his contract. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I know because I know a lot of town fans that, as you said, he has become a fan favourite because he has made some fantastic appearances. But sometimes you can't be a bit sentimental on that sort of thing. Okay, he's had a good little period, but he is 33. I know he's still probably fit enough to play, but if he's not playing for 90 minutes, sometimes you may have to move on. I mean, one thing I finally add to that is sometimes there's a desire for youth at football a lot. You know, and possibly Aluko 
I think McKenna's alluded to it a few times. He might well offer a lot on the training ground and behind the scenes, and he might be that kind of calming influence. So, you know, McKenna McKenna knows more than anyone else. There might be a reason for him to kind of have that bit of experience, you know. But um, I'm just play. I'm basing it on progression of players and stability of team. Um, so I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't be too disappointed to see Bond go now. I know that won't happen, and I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't extend the Lucas contract. Okay then. Well said as always. Um, Dazza, over to you then. Um, chuck any names you fancy. Anybody you think some town fans will be very, you know, undecided about, but also probably won't lose sleep on. Uh, well, let's say the, if the question is a controversial release, then I would go with Lee Evans. Um, he, yeah, he's, uh, he's go what? <laughs> yeah. He, uh, has had his moments obviously, but he, uh, takes all the set pieces and, uh, we never score from a set piece. His delivery is never that great, but he takes every corner, every free kick, everything, but we never score. Um, he's very lightweight and he likes to throw himself on the floor. If so, if another midfielder comes along and puts a shoulder in, you'll, if you watch him, away from the ball he's constantly just throwing himself on the floor a bit like um who was that striker that went to Wigan what's his name the Garner Garner who was just you know trying to get fouls all the time and the Evans is like that and that frustrates me with you know trying to exaggerate contact to get a free kick um so yeah if you want to be kind of controversial then um uh I'm quite happy with him playing for Ipswich but if you if you want to pick someone then I'd, I'd go for Lee Evans. I think we can uh, we can find a a better, stronger player who, who's got a better set piece. That's definitely what I know. It's another topic, but we need a set piece taker in the summer. <laughs> I disagree with that, but I'll let John speak. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, it's really good having this kind of discussion because we we generally all have similar viewpoints on Ipswich Town. I, I genuinely was shocked that you said Lee Evans, but mm. I think now that's the shock's kind of digested a little bit. He did disappoint me and frustrate me um, at times this season. And similar to my logic in if we were to get rid of Norwood or, as Dan said, Bon, that means we'd be bringing him better. If we were to get rid of Evans, that means McKenna's bringing in somebody to play alongside Morsi as a first a first team starter because Evans and Morsi are probably the best two midfielders we've got at the club at the moment. Yeah, um, I mean, just, I don't want to say I don't want to get rid of Lee Evans, but if the question is who a controversial name to get rid of, then I would go with Evans. Yeah, I just mean that if we if we did go down that route, the, the bonus of that is mm. that we'd be bringing in somebody who McKenna wants to play alongside Sam Morsi, yeah. so um, that might not be such a bad thing. Yeah. Um, I just think it's really interesting thinking about our squad because clearly there needs to be a bigger level of stability this summer to last summer. But yeah. there are some players that you think are fringe players and we've probably got about eight players who are almost certainties to be in the top 14, if you like. You know, I've mentioned the three centre-halves, you know. We mentioned the keeper, Morsi and Burns. There's like eight players there, whatever I've just named. The next batch are the ones you're talking about. And I can see an argument for keeping uh, Bacchus. And you can see an argument for keeping uh, Aluko. Like, 
I was I would hate to lose Chaplin, but I wouldn't be surprised if they cashed in on Chaplin. I just think he seems like a really good character. He's got involved with the um the Rainbow Tractors, he's got involved with the ambassadorial role and the foundation and all that. I think I would love for him to stay and be a linchpin for our team. And um but I wouldn't be surprised with anything, you know. That that's that's mm -hmm. the reality. I just think mm -hmm. we can't throw too many players out. We want to have a little bit of turnover, and McKenna needs to bring in his own people, doesn't he? He needs to bring in a few of the signings he wants for the way he wants to play. But I think it's going to be a fascinating summer, that's for sure. Again, I think, yeah, I think, I think, I think you're sorry, yeah, I think. I think like Gaz is right, even because the Evans one would definitely split opinion. And that's why you said it, Daz. I like and appreciate yeah, yeah. that. I think, I think with Evans is that when him and Morsey were starting as a two and we were dominating at Portsmouth and we were dominating at Wickham and we were dominating in that 6-0, when they are fit, they are, I'm convinced the best one of the best league one center midfield partnerships and it's a real shame that and i know that evans can there's things that evans can do better i know that but when he's fitting on song morsey and evans a, a high class in this division and i i think I, it's such a naughty tackle that evans took in injury time that three nil win against burton he's like an unnecessary last minute nasty little tackle and we've missed him We've missed Evans a lot, and um, yeah, I, I, I just, I'd love to see him and Morsi fit for a while at the start of the season because I, I think they could be massive, and I think in the, I tell you what, you wouldn't like to play against Morsi and Evans. You just, you just, no. you just wouldn't. Yeah. Nor you do Norwood as well. You just wouldn't want to face them. I mean, I'm not, you know, we need nasty bastards. We need it. We need we need tough nuts to get out of this division that can that can handle themselves and look after the team. And, and I think Evans has got a little bit about that. Yeah, the one the one positive with Evans not playing is that we've seen a different side to Morsi, haven't we? With yeah, you know, Morsi going forward is not the Morsi we see when Evans is playing. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah if there's someone a bit stronger next to Morsi, a bit like Backinson's trying to fill that role. Um, unless yeah. we can clone him, unless we can clone Morsi in the summer, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, the other dream, I mean, the dream obviously is can you imagine if, um, oh shit, I can't remember names now. Um, who's the blonde lad we sold to Swansea? Downs, Downs, can you imagine? <laughs> wow, wow. Can you... who's yeah. the blonde lad do we sold to Swansea? Yeah. <laughs> wow, his name <laughs> disappeared from my brain. That's what happens when you get old, Ross. Um, can you imagine Downs and Morsi as a yep. central midfield pair? Oh my god, yeah. With all with all the attacking stuff ahead of them, and then them two just controlling no, midfield. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Imagine we got crooks. Imagine we got crooks to play as the number ten with Morsi and Downs, though. I mean, yeah. a very different style number ten to uh, um, the way we've been playing. But imagine Morsi and Crooks and Downs did the same team. Beasts. Then you thought about three real yeah. people who wouldn't go missing in games. Mm. The, the word on Downs is that Palace are heavily back in for him because no, he's not he's, some cash then. Well, yeah, I mean, we might get a little flutter on that, but if you yeah. look at, he's the most accurate passer in the championship. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and yeah. Um, 
they love him at Swansea. So he's wheel, yeah, no, I mean, so that could benefit Ipswich, and he could be playing at he could be playing at the top level. Who knows? Especially you know Swansea aren't really going anywhere. But yeah, you're you're right though. Yeah, Morsey and Downs. Wouldn't fancy that. I'm moist thinking about that. <laughs> I do, yeah. I feel, and, and I just think, and I think, you know, you got your questions lined up, but it's like, back. Would you sign Backinson? Because I probably would. Yeah. Controversial, but I don't know. I just think, he's, he, you know, we need, we need, you need three decent central midfielders. You need three. Yeah. So. I think, um, you know. Yeah, I think the other controversial players. Would you let go, like Raheem Harper and you know Carl Edwards? Yeah. They were. Unreal signings in the summer, but unfortunately yeah. they just haven't done it. Rakeem Harper is currently at crew, not playing much. They've just got relegated. Carl Edwards is not even making squads really. Really, no. um, I mean the other name I came up with was was Joe Piggott. I mean I've just I'm sporting his hairstyle at the minute. <laughs> so, uh, um, but yeah, Joe Piggott, he's uh, it's not quite worked, is it? You know, no. twenty goal a season man. So uh, obviously I know he's had some some personal issues in during the season. Uh, and maybe new, you know, new season, new kit. Off we go, start again, uh, or maybe he just needs a change. But um, I'm not sure what Joe Piggott is because he's not a big, strong target man. Um, mm. He's not qu quick like Caden Jackson, so he's not someone who plays on the shoulder. So I, I, it's kind of hard to see. He doesn't hold the ball up well and play with his back to goal. It's it's kind of hard to see exactly what his strength is, you know. So. Uh, uh, but yeah, maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll see a different Joe Piggott next season. I think it'd be good to get him a chance. No, John, do you think? No, let's let's have a clear out of the forwards. Let's say bye to Norwood. Let's loan um, Piggott out for the full season if we can't get him off our books. I wouldn't be opposed to Bond staying with Jackson as backup to whoever we sign, but. I'm not necessarily even on that bus fully. Um, for me, the major work we need to do is get a left wing back and get a centre forward and then hopefully another centre forward to back them up. Um, for me, clearly I always want any Ipswich Town player to do well for Ipswich Town. But, you know, Piggott hasn't done it. He's had a few chances. Yeah, he's had a tough year. I, I understand that. Bond's had some personal issues. Norwood has had some personal issues. That is life, though. You know, many of us will have had personal issues, you know, but my performance at work isn't judged on my personal issues. It's judged on my performance. So, you know, I, I haven't seen enough from Piggott to, to say, give him the last four games because I, I understand what people mean when they say, don't play our lone players. Let's play our players who are going to be with us. I get that. But actually, I don't think McKenna's seen enough in Piggott either to warrant giving him the four. I'd rather see Simpson come off the bench than Piggott come off the bench. You know? Mm, mm, mm. So it's, it's, it's going to be a really interesting one because ultimately McKenna, who did he bring in? He brought in Backinson, is that it? I can't think of anybody That's else. Oh, Thompson. Thompson. Yeah, but you know, he clearly didn't fancy... Uh, Coulson when he went because he went straight into the Peterborough side straight the, the, in the FA Cup I watched him play mm -hmm. that was a funny one because you know but he obviously just didn't fancy him his fitness or whatever but he hasn't had a chance to bring in the people he will want and 
the way we played, clearly he's got an established pattern of play and that kind of thing. But he might be going, right, this is the type of player we want. And we don't know that because we've not, he, he's not going to sell his, he's not going to throw the players under the bus like Paul Lambert did with some of the youngsters or like Cook would, would do or whatever. He's going to wait till the end of the season, then he's going to have his chance to, um, to shape the squad. And I think it's going to be really interesting because you never know. We might not even play with a back three next year. We might be back to a back four because mm. he might think, no, I want these. These are the players I want. You know, he, he's obviously decided what what the best formation and the best structure with what we've got. But I don't think, you know, he, he was joking about saying we play like more of a four and a half than we do as a, a four or a five at the back. And uh, We're lopsided, aren't we? Yeah. But he, he might go, actually, I don't want to play like that. I just want to get the right personnel. So, yeah, I'm sure the, the, the recruitment team and the recruitment room will be getting used and uh, Ashton will be having to work hard again. But, you know, it's that, I know it's a silly season and it's a bit nonsense at times, but it's also exciting, isn't it? Because you start thinking, oh, I wonder what, what's going to happen with this? Who's going to... And you can't help but get carried away with it. I don't want it to be... 19 players I, but i do i wouldn't be surprised like i wouldn't be adverse to backinson's thing but if he didn't that's because mckenna's found somebody better he wants so yeah I, i'm i'm basically happy to go with what we like he's got my blessing to do what he wants as if he needs that you know what i mean though i trust him i like him he's doing a really good job so i'm delighted to kind of see where he takes us this summer approved by the king of the north <laughs> I also, it's going to be, sorry, an interesting subplot will be, it'll be McKenna's first ever proper transfer window ever. Mm. Um, we've, you know, we've seen he's a great coach. He's a good tactician. What's he like picking a player? And, you know, based on uh, the other thing, I mean, you would think you'll have impeccable contacts and the word's going to go out. Look what's going on at Ipswich. Look at the way McKenna's doing the, you know, that, that we have to hope that that's the kind of thing that's going around at the moment, because the other massive benefit for us, if you wanted to, to be ultra positive is we at least know, know, knowing now that we will be in league one next season, my pre-season starts now, you know, we can be planning for next season now. Um, so we're getting a bit of a head start in some ways, who knows, but um I think you're right. It will be really, really interesting to see. And and it's a really good point. You never know. We might change from three at the back. So who knows? Yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting summer. And of course, it's been a year since Game Changer has been involved and Mark Ashton's been involved in terms of scouting. You know, I'm sure they've now got everything sort of set up for this summer in terms of players they want. Kieran McKenna's been in the job for, will be in the job for six or months by then as well when the window opens. So he's at the time to talk about targets and stuff so yeah get ready it's going to be another roller coaster of a summer i feel it won't be 19 players but i'm sure there'll be a lot of players leaving and a few players coming in but um it should be interesting um well let's segue in nicely to the easter weekend games um one of course is on tuesday so easter monday game is not no more um but yeah we head to rotherham on saturday live on sky and then we're at home against wigan um on tuesday night Sky always ruins it for us, don't they? Easter weekend, it was always looking forward to a good Friday, Easter Monday, but we can't moan too much about it because it is what it is. Um, Dan, over to you. Your thoughts on these two games against the heavyweights of League One, Rotherham. Their form is horrendous at the moment, but I'm sure they're looking to get back to winning ways after I think they've only one win in the last seven games, three straight defeats. They got beaten 
pretty heavily on, on Tuesday night, losing 3-0 against Pompey at Fratton Park. But how are you feeling going into these two games? Um, you know, it's. I think the, the, the bigger picture says to me that I would much rather, much rather be playing teams like Rotherham and Wigan now because I think it's good for our players' development. It's good for McKenna and it's good to send out a message and good to see where we are. So I think that's a positive. I think it's exciting that we've got these two teams and good that we're on the box, you know. Have we been on, on the box under McKenna? Don't think we have. I think it's the first time people will have seen a McKenna team on the TV. Um, if I'm When I look at the games individually, you know, when Rotherham beat us 2-0 earlier this season at Portman Road, um, they were just, they weren't, you know, what they were was a complete opposite of a Cook team in that they were super athletic and they ran for 95 minutes and they were a team. They weren't particularly a brilliant team, the fact was they were a team and they beat us 2-0 and they got the cigars and the slippers on and it was pretty easy. They're obviously in a very, very different place now. I mean, they're in free fall. Um, you know, Warren is under pressure. They've picked up some injuries last night at Pompey. You know, they. they I mean, they were home and host not long ago. You know, and um, I remember seeing them beat Sheffield Wednesday. They'd let in five away goals all season. And they went to Hillsborough and they won 2 0. And it's like they're, they're up. And something has happened there. And the one thing about Saturday is the pressure is all on them. Like they really are under pressure. We technically could go there and play pressure free. I don't think we're on the beach for all the reasons I've said before. I'll be honest with you though, being an Ipswich fan, we've had I've got enough mental scars over the years. If you're out of form and you're on Sky, along come Ipswich, and I wouldn't be surprised if they shit house an injury time winner and beat us one nil just because it's us on the telly. And I and I hope to God I am wrong. I, I really would love Saturday to be that game where we do score two goals and get our noses ahead. I'm, I'm I'm guilty maybe of living in the past, but those scars don't take a short time to heal. So I'm I'm gonna just on the basis that Rotherham have to win. They have to win. When Plymouth came to our place and they were on that brilliant run, we had to win, and we did. I think Rotherham might nick it. Unfortunately, I think Wigan might be a bit different. Um, when I look at the Wigan game, you know. Potentially, Wigan could come to Portman Road and seal promotion, um, which, being cynical, might double their away support to about 400. But that's, you know, being a bit out of order. But um, I think Wigan will be a very different game. Um, We went up there and drew 1-1 under McGreal. And uh, I've actually, under the lights, penultimate home game, lose 1-0 to Rotherham. Beat Wigan two one. That's that's what I'm reckoning. And then and then you know NK Dons will be supporting us this Easter, though, won't they? Yeah, they will be. Yeah, but, um, What's we, we don't care about them. We care about us. But one one defeat, one win, not the end of the world. Not at all. And um, John, a local game for you in Yorkshire. Um, you looking forward to that one? Back at you know watching your. 
watching the town, but you know we're going to make a, a big statement in terms of if we can get some results against the these two tides. Yeah, it's just impossible to call for me, Ross. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I haven't been to as many games recently as I would like to have been. Um, and I'm going to two in a row, which is always nice. You feel like you get just to know the team a little bit more again. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we win on Saturday, but then I wouldn't be surprised if we get beaten at home on uh, on Tuesday night. Um, but I, I kind of call it, I, I can see, I agree with everything Dan said about the build-up to the game in the sense of it's Rotherham who are under pressure to perform. But how many times have we gone into games thinking all we need to do is turn up and give a good account of ourselves and we just don't do that when when we're in front of the sky cameras or we would it be surprising if Rotherham suddenly find their form and Tonkas 4-1 I can't see it happening but could it I don't know I, I'm gonna go for it I'm gonna go for it 2-1 Ipswich on Saturday and then a 2-1 Wigan on Tuesday night um I'm normally really optimistic. If I, if I say we're going to get beat one of them, then I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I would love to come away with uh, six fat points, but my my record of seeing um, victories this season isn't as good as uh, it should be. That's I'm like an Ipswich striker, I think. Um, you know, so it's it's a big game, though, isn't it? Rotherham are desperate to get back on winning ways, and if we start well and took a, a, an early chance or just perform like we know we can we we sh- we could i'm not saying should you know we could get get a result so i am hopeful um i'm gonna have money on sammy morsey again because he, he's done me proud of us. um I, I i i was very pleased i had a couple of weeks ago i had him on first goal scorer last goal scorer and anytime goal scorer and he and we won one nil so um sammy morsey was my um, particular he rolled that um, game, so you know. Let's hope he, he can score. To be fair, I don't care who scores. Let's just let's just. I would love to beat Rotherham because they're a hard team. Usually, they're really physical and fit, and organised and powerful and athletic, and they do some of the things that traditionally Ipswich don't do. You know, they out they out fight us, and I don't mean in a nasty way. In a uh, unfair way but they often bullies not the right word because they're, they're fair with it they just grind out results traditionally that's why the, they are where they are so often when they're in league one they go back up don't they um so yeah i'm gonna go for a 2-1 victory on saturday and and then a 2-1 loss on tuesday i i, I never predict losses do i, I always go 4-1 Ipswich. <laughs> And um, Daza, we're going to need to revenge, of course, Rotherham, because they bossed us at our place early in the season at Porton Road. Um, and also the Wigan game is going to be a lot of subplots because Will Keane will be playing for Wigan. Guion Edwards will be making his return, my former boy. Um, that gag is now very much gone. Um, yeah. I'm more, more on a different train now. But um, how are you feeling going to these two games, Arista? Um Yeah, I mean, I'm worried about playing Rotherham. Um... But but Dan makes a really good point about the pressure and um, they have to win it. They have to win it. You know, they were top of the league 
cruising along and then I think one win in eight, I think it is, and and getting pummeled by teams lo- a lot lower in the league. So um, this is a game they'll want to put right and want to win. And I th- obviously our record on Sky Sports, we don't need to keep talking about that because it's terrible. So, uh, but maybe the pressure, you know, that they might choke. We play with a bit of freedom, um, you know, and come away with a win. I, I mean, I'm I'm expecting a loss just because we're on Sky. Um, but who knows? Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. I mean, if if they lose that game, if we beat Rotherham, they'll be, you know, what the hell are Rotherham going to think? You know, with they'll be in the playoffs probably because um, I think MK Dons will be looking to second. And then going on to Wigan, um, as Dan mentioned, looking at the points in the table, you know, if, if Wigan win on Saturday um, and Rotherham don't beat us, then the game on Tuesday then becomes Wigan's um, promotion, you know, securing game. So um, again, we have nothing to play for other than, you know, their places for next season. And um, yeah, they could be needing a point or three points gets them promoted. So they're a good team. I mean, I made a sort of a note here that at the start of this season, uh, you know, Paul Cook was was the master and Liam Richardson was his understudy. Paul Cook is now managing Chesterfield and taking them down the league. And Liam Richardson is just about to win League One. So um yeah, a real turnaround in in the fortunes of those those two men, and um, good luck to Liam Richardson. Seems like a good guy, and and we're going to certainly a good team. So, um, I'd, be, I'd take two draws right now. Um, at this point, it's more about performances. I'd love to. What I mean, McKenna in his interview after uh, after Shrewsbury got asked about Elgin Bagger and if that means that Elgin's going to uh, come in. I think McKenna away to Rotherham is probably the last game he'd want Baggett to make it. I don't, I don't know if it's his debut, but certainly throw him straight in there. Yeah, yeah, against the type of team that Rotherham are. Yeah. If it was a different type of team with different types of strikers, it's mm. a tough game for him to make a debut. So he might protect him. You know, he might be being a bit smart and saying, you know, uh, and not just hold him back, which then means we need to play a different shape unless Backinson drops in uh, to to the, the back three. But um, yeah, then we could see a back four. You know, who who knows? Who knows? But um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it'd be odd seeing us on telly again. It's always a nervy thing when the sky cameras are there and all the uh, uh, it's not Kelly Dalgleish, is it? What's her name? Kelly Cates. Yeah, yeah. When they're when they're yeah. all there and they're all in the all on the touchline doing the interviews and all that sort of stuff, and uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think we'll be getting them though. I don't think we'll be getting them. <laughs> They'll be doing another game. I think we get the normal League One pundits probably. I think Scott Minto. Scott Minto is it? Oh uh, yes, yeah, Scott Minto is the co-host, isn't he, or the yeah. host? And then um, yeah. Don Don Goodman. Yeah. yeah. Say, um, it's not if McKenna wins on the Sky, I am convinced he's King Midas. If he can, mm. if he can break the Sky jinx, and I tell you what, Sky will probably want Elkin Baggett to play or Bilbo mm. Baggett, as I've already called him. So I tell you what, if he plays, you'll probably get about forty million people tuning in from <laughs> Indonesia on a Saturday. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they'll be like, because it, because they, because he's, he's following over there is off the charts, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he's definitely, like, definitely a player. Definitely a player, and 
yeah. you know, and we've seen like with with Wolfie, and maybe we'll see within Derby next season. You know, uh, Wolfie after his loan at, at Swindon came back a totally different player and was class. And Darba might come back and do the same thing. And um, mm. maybe Elgin needs a needs a loan out in proper men's football because under twenty threes is very nice, isn't it? There's mm. not too many nasty challenges going on, you know, and six foot four strikers to play against in under twenty threes. But uh, he certainly looks definitely a big asset for the club. So, uh, I mean, I think all of us would love to see him play, but maybe maybe Kenna will just protect him in that type of game. You're not throwing him in. I've got, I've got a feeling that he'll play Thompson in the back three and play Penny at left wing back. I That'd think be a disaster. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's the right thing, but I've got yeah. a feeling he'll do it. Yeah, well, that's how they equalise, you know, because Thompson, on, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he's got some... He, every time I see him, he gets shorter. And I've seen him, I've seen him. I'm sure he's got shorter since his debut at Sheffield Wednesday because I'm not even sure he's over five foot now. He's got so small. And yeah, um, yeah I mean, that goal against Shrewsbury, obviously he gets put in the, in the back three, doesn't get anywhere close to winning the header. Challenges, but doesn't get close. And then obviously the guy smashes it in from... Uh, 30 yards and um, actually that was a nice bit of shithousery by McKenna in the interview afterwards he's like you know the best goal of his life or, or, or oh, yeah. yeah a once in a career goal or something really kind of yeah that's to take away from the guy's skill or whatever that was you know some freakish goal that makes a good point though it's like you can't get more big lump physical than Mike, Michael Smith even though he couldn't Hit a cow's ass with a banjo at the moment. Apparently, he's like so out of form. It's untrue. Mm. However, I mean, I personally think they probably will play Bagger purely because it's. I, I take Daz's point, but I just think Thompson as a centre back scares the life out of me. And I'm not sure. I have a feeling Thompson. He's done all right, Thompson. I think he's blotted his copybook a bit. He's had a couple of moments recently where he's lost. He's lost his rag. I've noticed Thompson. I think he's mm. quite a fiery lad. And I think, you know, Pompey against Cowley and then he was a bit chopsy in the game against um, Cambridge. And I just, I think that's why he was dropped for the game at Shrewsbury. And, and I think maybe uh, it's a massive ask for Bagot to go up. But Yeah, big ask. I'd love to see him big, play. I'd yeah, love to yeah. See him no, play, it, it I'm sure. Wow. Him, and, him and Wolfenden together. Just imagine if those two... Finish this, mm. have a good game. That, that's something to look forward to, isn't it? Yeah, I guess the other option is he drops somebody like Backinson. I presume Evans is still nowhere near fit, but he's, not he's training, isn't he? Now, I think he's training. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he's back yet. Yeah, it's again, it's just it's impossible to call, isn't it? It's the worst possible timing to have one of your three center halves out when you've already got Edmondson out and you're missing, you know, because Evans and Morsi, one of them, well, you, Evans could play in the back three, you think, because of his size, um, if he needed to, at a push with Backinson in front of him. But you wouldn't, it's just a funny old time to guess what the formation is going to be. And, you know, mm. is he going to start going, right, I'm not going to play that lone player. I'm not going to play that player. I'm going to give this person a chance. He clearly wants to balance getting good performances against good sides with, you know, 
trying to put out the best team with but he has to have one eye on next season as well. You've got to use yeah, these, I think I, I think that's what he'll use preseason for. From what I think those comments after or before Shrewsbury, I think it's quite clear he's not looking he's he wants to win every game and just put the best team out to win and get points and um yeah, I don't think it was, you know, McCarthy was probably good like that, wasn't he? In the last game or two of the season, he would throw a load of youngsters in. I, I really don't think McKenna's going to do that. I'd love to see it. Certainly, you know, there's a lot of kerfuffle about Humphreys over the last few weeks. And obviously Simpson is um, on everyone's lips. But um, uh, I just don't think we'll see it. I don't think we'll see it this season. And then throw them all in pre-season. Let's see how they get on. And um yeah. Oh, pre-season. That's exciting, isn't it? Oh, come on. Fixtures, release date, and all that. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait. It's like, we've, still got, we've still got four games, Daz. We've still got four games to look forward to. Uh, yeah. Season. yeah. But, yeah. Um, but no, it's been another fantastic pod, and I will go over to all of you. Dan, any other business you'd like to add before we wrap up? No, I've talked enough. It's been a, been a pleasure being back, and uh, come on, you blues. Indeed. John, over to you. I look forward to seeing you and all the Travelling Blue Army on Saturday and I look forward to coming down on Tuesday and catching up with as many people as I can and having a good two, uh, my last two games of the season. Um, I'm going to be on the beach early. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for having me on, Ross. Always a pleasure. Good to see you guys. Indeed. And Daza, over to you to wrap it up. Um, yeah, well, just safe travels to everyone heading up the A1 to Rotherham on, on Saturday. I hope the, uh, there's no Easter uh, weekend traffic. And um, uh, yeah, that's that's hope for some good performances and uh, yeah, something to sing about. I've just looked at the time where Lily played a full ninety minutes of football. Um, so hopefully, oh, this yeah. has been as entertaining as Saturday against Rotherham. Hopefully, we do get all the three points. Hope you've no enjoyed it. Yeah, no one's going to have got to this point. They'll have switched off by now. Well yeah, done if you've got this far. Yeah, well done. Um, and if you are listening on your way up to Rotherham, hope you've enjoyed us chatting um, and Dazza saying, who's that blonde guy that we let go in the sun? That is probably the best quote on the podcast. Flynn <laughs> <laughs> Dazza. That is embarrassing. That is it's embarrassing. We, we, we signed 19 players in the summer so it is, and we let go 20 players. So it is trying to remember the certain players. Um, but yeah, it's been good that he's been doing well at Swansea. Um, and of course, we've got to shout out our sponsors at manscaped.com. I should have maybe said this earlier in the podcast because we are now an hour and 27 minutes in. But um, of course, if you want to get all your Manscaped needs, use the code KOA, you get 20% off and free delivery. Um, of course, we'll be there on Saturday. You'll get all the stuff on the website. And of course, game day and Andy and Stu react. Actually, Andy's not there, so it'll just be Stu chatting i don't know if he'll get me to get involved or we may just find someone random to speak to but um it is what it is but i um, hope you've enjoyed the podcast as ever if you want to get involved and if you are still listening get in contact with me at ross media uk we'll get involved in future podcasts um but bye for now as my light has made me very bright if you're watching on video i'm looking very bright anyway goodbye guys thanks once again for listening from true crime to football brexit to football more great podcasts from archon head to audioboom.com slash channel slash
auction at audioboom.com slash channel slash archive.